0: Welcome to episode 57 of Texing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how's it going? Good. How about yourself? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Good. A Lo- lot to talk about this show.
1: All right. You actually got some topics this week?
0: Yeah. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm all prepared. I'm awesome. ready for uh, for uh, us to flip through lots of different topics for our listeners.
1: All right. Well, without further ado, let's let's hear something. What do you got? What's
0: number one? Well, there's so many. Where are we going to start? So uh, I guess... Um, How about we just start with the status of Swarm, because that's normally the way that we do it. But even before we do that, how about you give a little rundown of our projects? Because anyone new to the show probably won't actually know what they are.
1: Right. Okay. so um, your two projects are Plugio and Swarm, or I should say Justin's projects are Plugio and Swarm. Plugio being a power Twitter client that used to be called Tweetminer but which Justin renamed to uh, Plugio a few months back. Um, And then there's Swarm, which is a uh, board game for the iPad, which is sort of a combination between chess, backgammon, and Go. uh, And it's something which you're developing an AI for so that people can play against the computer. How Um, about
0: I go over your one then? So Jason's
1: developing a project called App Ignite that he's
0: been working on for quite a long time. It's um, it's a very ambitious project. It's a big project. And Jason's idea is to create a system where people can build websites or build build web applications without doing any coding. So it's like uh, just using uh, the UI to, to build entire web apps, which is a big problem. No one's solved it before, and Jason's pretty aware of that. But um, he's working on it anyways.
1: Right, right. Okay. Yeah, you know, we... We, we've brought these topics up. We brought our projects up, um, you know, at random times throughout the po- recent podcast, And I have a feeling, if we have any new listeners, they're going to be wondering what the hell we're even talking about. So that's probably that was a good idea. So,
0: um, all right. So w- with Swarm, where we got to uh, in our last chat show was that Sebastian, who's a guy who I, I met through um, essentially texting and also Twitter, who's um, now uh, partnering up with me to help me build the AI of Swarm. Um, it, in the last show he'd started, he started work on it, but every move was taking something like 30 seconds.
1: Well, you told me it was 16 seconds per move and you have like six moves per, per yeah, exactly. turn, yeah. Sorry, I guess. So each user has a turn. I, I mean, Is this like backgammon? Backgammon, you have multiple?
0: Yeah, in, in that sense. But you can have up to actually 12 moves on a turn.
1: Mm. Like, so it and, like it, 16, if, so it would take 16 seconds between each one of those moves. Well, he's
0: he's now got it down to two seconds. Okay. So which which is good, um, but also we've realised that we because the game's on the iPad now. You know, from discuss, from discussing with him, uh, we also think we want to release it on the iPad and iPhone. Uh, sorry, the iPhone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for that correction. Um, but the thing is, we don't think that the processor on the old iPhones is going to be good enough. So what we're going to do is set it up on Node.js. So that so the AI will run on Node.js, and then iPhone users playing the AI will basically be playing the AI across the network.
1: Won't that be? Won't that take an incredible amount of server capacity to do that? I don't think so. Really?
0: I mean, not not. not I to the point that they- that's going to bring it to. Well, let, let me just let me just qualify that with we need to test it.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you would, I mean, if you have just a, a very few, small number of users, or, um, you know, maybe have a hundred on, uh, uh, you know, hundred active users who are really playing the game regularly, and, and very few of them are playing at a given time, you might be okay, but if you got up to like tens of thousands, so you could have like hundreds of people playing at any given time, you'd be in trouble, <laughs> I would think, unless you'd have, you, at least it would be expensive, you'd have to have a, a number of servers. Probably. I guess
0: then we'll have to do some kind of subscription service or something like that, but, I mean, certainly to begin with we'll just try and plug it into the game especially because we think it could make the AI better in its own right because if people are playing those games then we have game logs and then we can run those great game logs through uh, for example your neural net library
1: and yeah, that's right. Now that would be very cool. But you could also just store the the um, game logs locally on the iPad and then the, our iPhone, and when they connect, you can upload it just as uh, the the logs to the server. As, long as that, yeah, that's something that Sebastian said as well. That's that is a good point. I mean, as long as the user was cool with that, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, they might say no. I don't want you looking at my logs. But uh, yeah, I mean that that information is is important. I think that's something that Sebastian is particularly interested in. Is is a, is sort of accumulating a large number of game logs. Yeah, exactly. Let's you. you had a topic you want to bring up?
0: Um, yeah, sure. Um, uh, something that I saw on Hacker News today, which, was, which I just thought was interesting, uh, that WikiLeaks have posted this 1.4 gigabyte file that's encrypted, mm-hmm. and it's, just, it's called insurance. Okay. So uh, like a hundred or a couple hundred people have obviously downloaded this file, and it's this encrypted file, and if anything happens to WikiLeaks... They're, they're going to pass out the password. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of, kind of a cool concept, right? Like, uh-huh. a, like, like a dead man's lever. Have you ever heard of a dead man's yeah. lever? Yeah, well, why don't you explain the concept. It's basically, if you're alive, you, you, you can keep on pressing this button every day. And if you stop pressing the button, then someone gets emailed, basically, because you're, because you're no longer alive. You're no longer there to press the button. So that's what a dead man's lever is.
1: Right. You know, it, it's like, the was it, the movie, The Firm? I'm sure people read the book, *The Firm*, or saw the movie the *Firm* with uh, Tom Cruise. And at the end, the character, main character, goes to a couple of the mafia guys who actually own this um, this law firm that they work for. This corrupt law firm. I think it was like in Memphis, Tennessee, or something. And he basically explains to them that you know, as long as they leave him alone, you know, he, everything's going to be cool. But they have he has a ship out the sea that essentially has, you know, a huge number of records of illegal activity. For the forum, and that tie it to the mafia. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is like insurance, like you know, just it's it's a ship that will never but dock but as long as I'm alive. And, it's okay. isn't it interesting that the WikiLeaks basically, I mean,
0: like in in reality, something like this is happening in in our real world. Like here, here are these guys who are releasing incredibly sensitive uh, government documents, and now they've got this this insurance file out there. It's 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 amazing
1: yeah well i think they need to do that uh, if they didn't they, they you know they, they would be a prime target for um intelligence agencies to just so i wonder if
0: um right? if they've told all of their enemies okay this is what's in the insurance file or whether they're ju- it's just like a
1: bluff or it doesn't even have to be a bluff they just you know, we're not going to tell you what hand we're holding you know, but if they got ten thousand, was it like ten thousand documents the recently right. um, leaked to them from the uh, yeah. U.S. Uh, from, I think from the Army or the military? And uh, you know, if if they have that many documents, the, the the you know, I'm sure the U.S. intelligence agencies are aware that there's a, some stuff in there that might be really sensitive. Um, so they could really you know paint you know uh what our military activities are up to or what's in um in a really poor life anyway, so it's cool
0: it's just a, i just thought it was a cool concept but but um yeah so go on, have you got, got something for us
1: this might be kind of surprising to you but i'm i'm actually considering buying a mac <laughs> oh uh, that is yes. so
0: i'm telling you they really really are good when you when you work on them full-time
1: well the reason is i've had my um you know pc for like Five year, five going on six years now. I think I bought it in or, uh, January of two thousand five or something. Yeah, and it's been crashing recently and crashing more frequently. And the other day it crashed, uh, and I couldn't get it started. I, 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 you know, kept trying to restart it or turn the power on or off or you know plug it in and it just wouldn't, um, it wouldn't start. And the only way, and I was like, it's dead. You know, the computer's dead. Like I'm have to go buy a computer today. But I was lucky because Sandy. Um, I, she's really good with uh, mechanical and electrical things for some reason. She just has that knack, and, <laughs> I, which I don't have. And she's like, you want me to take a look at it? I'm like, yeah, sure. Go please take a look at it. You know, ten, five or ten minutes later, she walks in. She's like, yeah, I got it started. I'm like, well, how did you get it started? Because I tried like ten times. She's like, oh, what I did is I held the DVD eject button when I turned the power on. I'm like, well, what would possibly what
0: give you? That? that makes, but that makes sense though, because basically it, the boot, the boot sequence was screwing it up, and you just had like some music CD-ROM in there or something.
1: I don't know. There, were either, I don't think there was a DVD in there, but it just that worked. And uh, but I think that's sort of, I think that's sort of an attribute of people who are good with um, you know fixing me- or, or mechanical, and electrical things is that they just. This is sort of the fiddle factor. They're willing to get right. in and just try a lot of different stuff, even if it may not make sense at first. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's sort of an intuitive thing. I don't know. But um, I don't have that sense. I get frustrated and I just hate it. Whereas Sandy can, you know, she's, she's rewired our electricity. She's, done, you know, done, redone our plumbing <laughs> at different parts of the house. I mean, she, she can do all that stuff. She fixes all the broken toys and all the programs, all the electronics, where I'm just like, I have no idea. What's
0: you know, work? it's taken me. Uh, it took me about a month to get into the Mac, and right. um, it, like in the first place, it was just. It was very difficult to to use it to use this interface because obviously being so used to Windows. I mean, I was using Windows for like 15 years before. Right. But but now I I guess I'm what four months in, and I I really do think it's just a much better experience than Windows. Like, there's so many so many ways that they've optimized it and streamlined it and just. It's great. Yeah. I would definitely recommend it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I, I yeah. Then So, got yeah, back to the Mac part of the story is I, so I thought about buying a Mac and, and, I, you know, even after Sandy was able to get it restarted, it, cr- it kept crashing. You know, it's getting, mm, okay. it, it hasn't crashed in the dust day or so, but it would crash like three times in one morning just using the, just using like, I think Sandy was just trying to check her email on, uh, on Yahoo. And every time she'd open a, a <laughs> an email message, it would, blow up the whole system would crash oh god so i'm like this is scary i, I need to start thinking about getting something else so you know i think first i'm thinking now yeah, i'll just get some cheap pc from dell or something spend like 700 800 bucks and get some you know i5 quad core thing and you know then i started thinking about it because i've had a handful of people i've had three separate people contact me about building them iphone apps yeah. um you know, is for consulting for, and, and uh, you know, they're all still kind of possibilities. None of them is, is a, a sure thing, but I can't build an iPhone app on a PC. It's just, you can't do it. I don't, I mean, especially using accelerator for accelerator, you have to have a Mac to compile the JavaScript into uh, the native um, to objective C and then ultimately into um, or, or, yeah objective C and then ultimately into native code.
0: That's exactly why I switched over um, for that. And also because my new, my new client, um, they were building an application that required a Mac to build it and they were all working with Macs. So it was just better to do that.
1: Right. So that's, that's, that, that's the, that's part of the reason I said, you know, I I could probably, I could spend less money and get a cheap PC and just replace the actual PC. I mean, I don't have to replace, you know, the monitors or anything. I got two 21 inch Sonys that are really nice. And, um, so that's really, yes. But at the same time I would be hamstrung because just one of those contracts, um, would pay for, the, the the difference in price many times over, and then also if you think about like you know largely it's a write off for me because uh, this is a work machine right, and so you can probably if you don't have to pay taxes on it you can essentially cut off thirty percent you know of the the price. one thing I mean the one thing with the
0: Mac is the the workflow is it's expensive to move over the workflow as I said, but also on the PC it's real easy to get good free applications, but on the Mac the the Mac developers are much better at monetizing so. Pretty much, when you want to find an app, you you like. I would say at least sixty percent of the time, to to use the best app, you have to pay for it. You know, and they don't charge the same. It's also not as cheap as PC apps. So, on a, a typical PC app is going to be like nineteen bucks or something like that. Whereas right. a typical Mac apps, it, as just from my experience, I mean, maybe maybe this isn't a good a good quantification of it, but I'm seeing them typically around thirty nine bucks or or fifty bucks. Yeah. So, how thing.
1: many of those are going to buy ten?
0: Yeah, I think probably like ten.
1: So maybe you might you might you might spend three to five hundred dollars buying like you know an image uh, an image editing software and well it's like FTP
0: FTP software for example FTP
1: so you know like in, in the calculation I was about to go through which is like let's say I spend I was looking at the iMac um, as a as, as a potential purchase and they're like two thousand dollars for I think the middle of the road one or maybe as a planned one Why wouldn't you get the, the MacBook Pro Why would I want a MacBook
0: Well because it's you I never
1: ever Go anywhere and
0: code I mean I like right the, the more i mean I mean the more successful that texting is, the more that we have to go out on the road, the more that you build app ignite and have to go out and talk to clients and like if you actually have your full uh, system as a as a laptop then it's and it's good and it's it works great as a as a basically yeah just i mean if
1: if that ever became an issue which i I doubt it because I don't code when I'm not sitting at the computer. And the only time I, actually the only time I do I need a laptop is when we go visit Sandy's parents for a couple of days in Vegas. That happens about once every four months for me. All and right. I have a, a PC laptop I can code. I mean, all I need is a text editor, an FTP client, and I'm good. Um, so, you know, so anyway, that's not an issue for me. I mean, I don't, I mean, going out on the road for epic or anything else, I find that is very speculative and probably off in the distance. And if it came to the point where that was something, an issue, I could always buy Something if I needed to. So, what really sure. is the issue is having something that I'm that I really like that I'm really productive on. And for me, the number one thing is a lot of screen real estate. So, okay. I don't know how you you code on these little screens. Well, but apparently,
0: um, it's it's a productivity booster. I've forgotten which um, which blog post I was reading, but I was reading a, a blog post and someone was saying they to really maximize their productivity, they moved away from the concept of lots of screen real estate because they found because in theory having lots of screen real estate you can have lots of apps open but that also gives your brain a lot of different things to to deal with context switching on whereas if you just have a small screen then that could be useful because you've just kind of focusing on a single thing at a time i mean i never have more than one yeah thing open. that
1: sounds like that sounds like one guy's perspective, I suppose, because I read there, there was actually some scientific paper that came in and, they, and they actually found that people were, it was by far the most dramatic productivity boost was having a lot of screen pay, space. Interesting. Okay. So, and for me, I found the same thing. And when I have a lot of screen space, I'm going to have to constantly be scrolling and opening and closing windows because every time you open and close a window or minimize it, maximize it or flipping one in front of the other, it just takes your mind off the task. And it's just another, it's just, it's another opportunity for your mind to become detached from what you were trying to do. Okay, And I find that, you know, so regardless of what anyone else finds more productive or less productive, I know for myself, I'm way more productive if I have a, a lot of screen space. So working on a little laptop, like I, I, I don't even like to code on a laptop, even when I'm at the weekend, I find, uh, visiting Saint's parents, I still find it frustrating. I'm like, this is just sort of so unproductive. I almost feel like not doing any work. And I guess the MacBook Pro that's the 17-inch is
0: pretty expensive.
1: And I don't want to... And it's still not nearly as much low-estate as having, like, a big 27-inch iMac uh, screen or having, like, two 21s like I have.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: I mean, literally, if I could afford it, I'd have a 30-inch or two 30-inchers, you know? I mean, I I don't... So sitting there hunched over and having this little tiny laptop, I mean... (laughs) I know it's it doesn't no, work for you. <laughs> yeah, no, zero chance. I'm not doing that. I have no interest in that. So the iMac itself has a, the tw- has a 27 inch screen, and it's like you know, I think the, the more expensive one, the faster processor, and the more RAM was like, you know, two grand. Yeah. So if I if you if if I'm able to write that off, um, then you can you can 30 percent. You can take 16. Um, so it's, um that's uh, about you know 1,400 dollars. Right. Right. So, um, if I took, um, if I bought like a, you know, let's say an $800 or let's say for simple round numbers, I buy a thousand dollar PC, then it's only 300. So I paid 700 versus 1400. So it's only $700 difference as opposed to say a thousand dollar difference. Yeah. But what about the, the contracts that you can get and the money you can earn? Right. That's what I'm saying. What, I, what I'm saying is it, it means that by, by purchasing a Mac, it, the price difference isn't as much if you can write it off if it's a business expense, which it would be for me. Right. Because it's what it's like. Ninety-eight percent of my time is spent working, you know, not not messing around, and uh, and so in with that with that being the case, it's only a seven hundred dollar difference. And then if you factor in just the possibility of getting one contract that would normally get, of course, it would pay for itself. Yeah. So and what you're talking about is buying some apps. So even if I had to buy like half a dozen apps for fifty dollars a piece, that's three hundred dollars. Um, you know, and, and I don't imagine that I'd have to buy that many. So. I no I
0: I. Genuinely think you should do it. I mean, it's one of the best things I've done uh, re- with regarding to my my general workflow. I'm very happy with it.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I don't personally care about anything other than. I mean, they are pretty. I'll give you that. They're really pretty. But <laughs> I don't really. I don't have any particular bias towards Macs or you know or or against PCs or anything like that. It's just for me, like I said, it would be only the ability to um to do the to build iPhone iPad which is, could be a, a significant source of, of consulting income. Right. So, And of course, you can run parallels or whatever, so I could still you know, run Windows 7 if I need to, say, develop .NET stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the Windows experience isn't like it... I'm quite a stickler for latency, and, and you can feel a, the, a little bit of latency when you run the Windows. I mean, it's good. You know. You, you, there, there's this one mode that it has. Um, I've forgotten what it's called. It's basically... What it does is... With Parallels, it basically makes it so that any window that's open on the Mac of Windows completely fits into the, the Mac OS. So it doesn't feel like you're using Windows. It just feels like you're using the Mac for, for everything. Oh, okay. So you can, you can kind of flip between the Windows and copy and paste between the Windows, and it's like Windows isn't even open.
1: So I, to, change, to change topics, I was, um, I've been thinking about uh, possibly entering TechCrunch Disrupt. Do you know what that is? No, can tell us. Well, it's like it's like the next version of TechCrunch 50. So TechCrunch 50 is, um, I think, it was a yearly conference that I think it's been held in San Francisco the first three years, and um, it's essentially like American Idol for you know tech startups. Is okay. The way I describe it. So I think they've over the three years, each year they'd have around a thousand companies from around the world would apply, and they would accept 50. Um, and fifty of those companies would then compete, would give it like, a ten or fifteen minute demo. Is that and, the same as just TechCrunch Fifty? That's that's what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm describing to as TechCrunch Fifty. So yeah, and so I participated in that last year um, with a company called Local Bacon, and which then got on, went on to get uh, funding um, a few months later. Uh, because it was, I think it was ended up being one of the top five of the 50. We, it didn't place in the top three, but it was you know, had a lot of buzz and was considered one of the top top companies. So, I've been through the experience once and anyway, yeah, so it's this big it's up in San Francisco, it takes two days you, you you demo in front of a panel of judges and like, I think we were demoing in front of like Mark Andreessen and uh, I think uh, Marissa Meyer, Meyer from uh, Google and some of the Sequoia guys. So, I mean, you know, it's like Big shot, big player types, uh, VCs and founders uh, on these panels, and they—they, I think they—they kind of just—they don't. I think they—I think the people who actually vote are were Jason Calacanis and um, and Mike Arrington because they were the ones who ran the conference. Okay, and and that's why it's changed
0: its name because um, Jason Calacanis and Mike Arrington have basically spit up.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know if it was like a if it was if there was animosity there, they've kind of kept it under wraps. But they clearly decided to go their separate ways and. Arrington now has run TechCrunch Disrupt. It um, started as TechCrunch Disrupt, and I think they had one in, in New York uh, not too long ago, maybe six months ago. Okay. Uh, and uh, the San Francisco one is going to be at the end of September, which is a, you know, which is the same time last year they held TechCrunch 50. And I think one difference is they, ha- they, they have half the number of companies, so it's more like 20 to 25 companies as opposed to 50. Okay. And I think maybe they give the companies a little more time. And I think also if they're holding it twice a year, you know, they don't have to have as many companies because um, you, you also, it's hard, I think it's hard to keep the quality up. I think it was funny, um, I remember last year that a lot of the companies, you know, weren't so impressive and the software wasn't so interesting. So you'd think, wow, if a thousand people applied, then the top 50 have got to be awesome. It's like, well, actually not so much. I mean, there were some cool ones there, but there were, you know, a number of them that were really kind of kind of iffy so right. that makes sense that they would kind of cull it down to say you know they said between 15 and 25 so i think they'd rather go quality over quantity yeah and i was kind of thinking you know it's it's like the deadline's in the in, in the 8th of august i think and you have to send in like a few minute video and some slides or whatever and um you know so i was talking with sandy last night and she was a little dubious about the concept because she's like well you know is it going to be like last summer where you spent like two months off from consulting just to work on the software to get it ready for the you know which we can't do right i I can't i can't do that again where i I just don't make income for a couple months because i'm just totally focused on getting ready for this conference but at the same time you know if you if you get a lot of attention up there you get a lot of buzz that can really help your launch now the difference between local bacon and what i'm doing with epic night is local bacon was their number one goal was to raise venture funding yeah And that's why one of the main reasons that you do this is you go up there. The first place wins like 50 grand, but, you know, even if you do have a great company, you do a good job, the chance you can get first place, of course, is small. Um, You know that would be nice, but really it's about getting funding. And I'm not necessarily sure I want to get funding, as I've said before. Main reason being that if you get funding, then it limits your exits, uh, your exit uh, possibilities so much, and you it's it's hard to scale into the business. You either are all in or all out if once you get funding, right? Right. Yeah. You Can't do it part time. You can't say I'm doing consulting work as well, but you know with a f- wife and three kids and a mortgage and stuff as i've mentioned i can't live off startup salary uh st- a startup salary you know so i'm not sure i mean just from here listening to you talk about it it doesn't sound like there's a huge benefit for you yeah, so I'm kind of talking it out now. That's why I was—I said I was thinking about just—I th- just kind of thought about it last night and I talked with Sandy. So I'm, th- I'm wondering, well, you know, would it be a missed opportunity to go and do that? Especially if I could make a splash with Epic Night and get up a lot of attention. I mean, maybe you could raise the kind of funding, where there where you know I could get a salary that I could I could live with, but um, you know, in the short term. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a waste of time. Maybe. Well, I
0: mean, the one thing I'd say is, in my opinion, I mean, Epic <laughs> its such a big problem. It's the kind of thing where. You know, you could definitely sync up like 10 guys, you know, working on that problem. Yeah, it's, but I don't uh, want to do huge. that.
1: I, I don't want... I find that you get too many people working on stuff too early, and you don't... I just don't think... I think it has to be much later in the pro- process that where you really are... The product is really working. you got that product market fit. You've gone through a number of iterations on software already, so the core is solid, and then you can build out. But I think if you get too many people in too early you're not nearly as productive. You're not 10 times more productive. Most of it is meetings and conversations and rethinking stuff and getting everybody up to speed. And I think it will be just so ironic if you, if you
0: got funding for app ignite, because when we first met, I was looking for funding for mash API and my whole deal was looking for funding. And then the more we, the more we spoke, the more I got into the bootstrapping concept and then started Plugio and Swarm and now I'm, I'm quite into that sort of low level stuff yeah. <laughs> bootstrapping stuff and you've, you've always been against funding and if you then got funding for this and went down that route that would just be pretty ironic
1: <laughs> yeah so I'm kind of leaning I'm, I'm obviously leaning against I'm not really interested in the funding thing I'd be more interested in the, in the buzz and the, uh, getting the attention and, and you know it'd be much better to launch App Ignite and have tens of thousands of people on the, on the sort of waiting list on the beta list than launch with like 100 people you, but
0: you can do that without without TechCrunch.
1: No, that's true. Our tech, are tech, disrupt. It's what's called disrupt now. Disrupt, yeah. It's been renamed disrupt. So that's right, and I think that's probably right. So I've just been kind of, and, and as I'm talking right now, I'm sort of thinking this out loud, right? <laughs> I haven't made any decisions, and I think probably I'm leaning against it for that reason. Is like if if you you know if I can focus on getting some attention for it through other means, through you know blog and podcast and you know things like that, then maybe that would be a more efficient expenditure of energy and time and spend more time just working on the product.
0: Well, talking, about just, that brings up an interesting point, which is that uh, we were hoping to grow the show texting. And and if we can get more listeners, then that may be able to help you, Jason. So you were, you had some ideas, didn't you about, uh, about this?
1: Well, obviously the bigger our podcast is, the more it helps us with, you know, launching our software. So if we have 50 people listening, that doesn't help if we have, you know, Five hundred thousand. then you know you, anything you launch, you're going to have massive uptake just to start. Um, at least you have a lot, a lot of people looking at it and giving it a shot. So uh, what it requires at that point is just making sure that you create something people like. That's good. Well, yeah, so we basically so, we give value to the listeners because we're
0: going to put good content, and then essentially they bring value to us because it's a platform for us.
1: Well, yeah, I hope so. we can launch You know, software. So Plugio and Swarm and App Ignite can, can have at least some kind of initial... Beta beta test group that beyond just a handful of our friends. So you know, right now I think we're, we're at the level we're getting. We're almost to the point where we're getting about four to five hundred downloads in the first forty-eight hours after we release. Uh, which uh, is which okay.
0: is really great. I mean, because we were we were on like a hundred. Uh, I, I remember the days when we were on a hundred.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I think it was like in March where it would take like it would take about two to three weeks to get to like two hundred and twenty, two hundred and forty downloads. Right. So we've, we've, gone through, you know, we've gone through a little growth kick recently. But I want us to be able to get, I, I, before the end of the year, to get 1,000 downloads within the first 48 hours of a discussion show. And, and I, I wouldn't count like a, an interview show because sometimes you get a, sort of a, an artificial spike in that show because be, yeah. a, they'll, they'll post on their blog or Twitter stream and a bunch of people come by to listen just to that show because they really like the person we interviewed. But they aren't right. necessarily—they uh, don't necessarily become texting listeners. So discussion show is a little better benchmark, and I think 48 hours is a good—a uh, good benchmark because it's enough for, um, you know, you—you you can't look in the first like you know six hours or 12 hours or something because you never know what time of day it is that people are downloading your stuff. So 48 hours is probably the right number. So to get a thousand, we need to—we need to—we need to. We need to um, I was thinking we need to help push it over help push it. And one thing, ideas I had was if, you know, a lot of these, a lot of podcasts are trying to raise um, money for donations and stuff. We're going to want to raise listeners.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We, we, we want to, it's a donation drive for us, but not money. It's for listeners.
1: (laughs) We need, you need to donate, help us, help, help us get (laughs) listeners. So we need the tech Zingathon, you know, where, (laughs) and I, I don't know how we can do this exactly, but I was hoping that if anybody is willing to write a blog post, about us uh get tweet try and get some retweeting about the show uh give us a rating in iTunes those are all big things. So uh, obviously, the blog post and the, it really depends on whether you have 10 readers or you have 10,000 readers, how helpful that is. Same with Twitter, if you have 100 followers or 50,000 followers. Um, so it really depends on how help how helpful that is to us. It depends on how many followers or subscribers you have. But the um, the, the iTunes review, anyone can do that, and that can that can always help us. But I was thinking if. If you if if anyone is willing to help us out and do that, then just maybe take a screenshot uh, if it's an iTunes review or send us a link to your blog post or your or tweet, and um, we'll uh, we'll we'll bring your name up at the show and help uh, mention anything that you're working on to, as a return favor. And,
0: and if the blog post sounds like too much work, I have an idea that will cut down the work for you. You don't need to think about a whole bunch of stuff to say. Just like. Copy and paste in what you consider the best, you know, the top five texting shows are and say, look, you know, I, I've listened to a good podcast. Um, I found these shows interesting. You might like them. <laughs> and then right. that's just a quick way to create a blog thing without having to actually think about the whole post.
1: Yeah. So that anyway, that would really help us uh, get up over the hump um, because if we can get to, say, a thousand mark, uh, I just feel like that's just like a very baseline. I mean, it's taken us a while to get here. It's been over, we've over a year. I've done this is our 57th show. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of these shows have a lot more listeners, but they started with people who already had large followings, either via a blog or they had a radio show or whatever, but we started from scratch. We started with nothing. So yeah. for us to get to that next, uh, you know, level, it's just, it just takes work, but if we at least get to a thousand, I feel like we're at least somewhere. <laughs> So
0: the the other thing is, is we've just, um, uh, I can't remember whether it was, wasn't Rob, but it was someone we were talking to a mailing list, that was two shows ago, Who was that Startup Digest, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we now have a mailing list, and so if you go to textinglive.com, you can, at the top of that, it's pretty horrendously ugly, but we don't care, because it's functional and it works, just go there and like put in your email, because we're hoping to, um, when we release the show, we'll send out an email, but also we'll put some good links in there as well. And if you can sign up to that and maybe send it to a couple of friends who you think might be interested, that'd be very much appreciated.
1: Yeah. And we haven't completely figured out what our format is going to be, our frequency. I mean, maybe once a week, maybe once a month, it really depends on what's too frequent. I mean, I'm once a week might not be bad. Even if we say here, wouldn't you at least like every time you release a show, ping out an email? Maybe. I mean, maybe that might be too frequent. I mean, you know, maybe once a week, say here's a discussion show, here's the interview show. Um, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to irritate anybody. Um, so I guess we could get some feedback on that, whether once a week or once every show is too, too frequent. Um, but we could have, you know, some of the information about the show, some links and also some other sort of related links or some things that we found that we, that are interesting that are related to some of the stuff that we've been talking about or to some of the people we've been talking to. Oh, and the final thing, and then we can get off the texting stuff (laughs) is the, um, we really need to get a design for our, uh. Our webs our blog website, and it sucks. it is, it is the, the theme we have is just painfully ugly, and I think it's working against us. I think I'm worried that sometimes when I email people to interview for the show, they come and take a look at the website, and they're like, "Yeah, I don't know about that." <laughs> it just well, doesn't not, look. Serious. You haven't been turned down yet. I haven't. The only, like I said, the only person who who I went, I, I was it turned out once. This is like a year ago, um, by one JavaScript guru guy, and then uh, Zed Shaw never returned my email. But beyond okay, that, that's it. So far, we've been. Really lucky. Um, but you never know. Every time I send an email, I'm just like, I wonder if they're even going to respond. <laughs> okay, so
0: what, what we're looking for is someone, a very kind person who we will promote as much as, as humanly possible to redesign our disgusting WordPress skin.
1: We need a logo. I don't know if there's somebody <laughs> who just wants to do the logo, someone's a logo artist. We need to think- look and feel. We need a logo and we need design. And anybody, you know, it could be more than one person if it's someone wants a logo and someone would mind helping us with a the theme. Um, you know, we will return the favor and spend a number of shows helping promote, you know, your work and what you, your portfolio and uh, try and bring some attention to you as a, as, a, uh, as a return favor. So anyway, we don't have a lot of money to put on the show, so we can't really afford to uh, spend money hiring uh, any graphic artists at this point, but really nice to upgrade our look and feel a little bit totally. Okay. So let's move on. Something else. Um, so, uh, you know, i thinking of talking about promotion. I've, I've been trying to come up with, decide on my blog name. Cause I need to get a blog out there. Right. Right. I mean, I haven't, I haven't done anything. I started a blog once or twice and did like a hello world post, but never really did anything. Yeah. And so now it's like, okay, if I'm going to, if I'm going to build some attention for app ignite before launch, I need to start putting some work into this. And the strategy is, you know, going to be the standard one, which is try and write some really good blog posts that can get some attention and then hopefully, and, and then on the page, have like a, you know, sign up to check out Epic Night um, if you're interested, that kind of a thing. And um, so the two names that I have, but I've had one is the, the one is a Twitter handle that I had had from the start, which was exojason, you know, like outer Jason, right? Did, yeah. You didn't seem to get that, right? You didn't like that? Yeah. Page? Uh, but some of the some of the people, uh, some of our listeners responded. They thought that was really a good name, but I don't know. So exo. I have exojason.com, and the other one I have is codisoperandi.com, um, which I which I think is kind of clever. Do you do you get that one, Justin? Uh, you know, modus operandi. So. You know, modus operandi. Yeah, your, yeah. Your M O. Your mode of operation. So codisoperandi. So, codisoperandi. I thought it's kind of clever. So yeah. You know. uh, the thing that I don't quite
0: get is. Why are you trying to do it on a new domain? I mean, you should, in my opinion, be doing it on epicnight.com. epicnight.com/blog.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking about that one too. I, I'm, I'm kind of debating whether I should have my own or also have a and or have an epicnight one. Um, I'm, I haven't decided on that which was best. I, I need my own, regardless, for just other random stuff, like say the uh, the the uh, machine learning uh, quantifier tool that I'm playing around with, right? Because not everything I do is about epicnight.
0: If you have an App Ignite blog, right, you, you can have different categories on it, so you can still put your thought pieces on it,
1: right? That's fine, but I mean, if I'm talking about Quantifier, that would be that would not be the right place to be talking about Quantifier. I guess. Right? I guess. I mean, I, I guess in theory. Yeah, I mean, you want some place that's about, that's because there's, there's a part of you that's really about this thing you're working on, and right. and it should be focused on that. I mean, you can have thought pieces, I guess, you know, what you're talking about, but if you're talking about other projects you're working on you know that just is kind of an inappropriate place to put it i think
0: i guess i mean i i, I will admit i've had similar thoughts myself that, that that through just only having the plugio blog it's restricted me from putting up some other things. So yeah, I, I can not see where you're coming from with that. I would that. just
1: think it would be weird to have a whole bunch of stuff about Swarm on your Plugio blog. First, first of all, mm-hmm. anyone who's reading Pluggio is going to be like, who cares about Swarm? Well, pl- so,
0: so why don't you just have a blog for each app? I mean, I've got a Swarm blog. I've got a Plugio blog. So why don't Look, you that's have that's what I'm a-
1: thinking about. I'm thinking about, but I'm also thinking about just having maybe a personal, my own blog, right? And I could talk about all of it. Right, right. Okay. You know, then it's not, this, this doesn't seem kind of weird that I'm talking about the stuff. I could talk about the podcast. I can talk about App Ignite. I can talk about Quantifier. I can talk about you know anything, Um, and then I could have specific. You know, if I want to have a a specific block for AppKnight, I can do that as well. And I've already talked to Guyon about doing that. That we need to start writing some stuff. So I don't know. So what do you think about those two names for at least my block? The Exo and Codus Operandi. Do either of those work for you?
0: Well, as long as you don't want people to remember them, then I think they're fine. Right. So, but, but I mean, certainly the Codic- you don't think
1: people you don't think people remember codus operandi. Have you not heard Modus No,
0: I, 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 yeah, no, I have, but I couldn't even remember it just like ten seconds after you said it. I was thinking, what was that again? Right. <laughs> uh, but I don't think it's, it's, it's something that rolls off the tongue. Um, but that doesn't matter because quite often people will search. Like if if you get a blog post that goes high up on te- on uh, Hacker News or something, most likely people will just search. They'll remember the title of the blog post and they'll c- type in a couple of keywords. I mean, right. I've done that loads of times, and it just kind of comes up the top of Google. So, you
1: know, yeah. That's, that's yeah, because I guess that's kind of the thing. Even a lot of these sort of more well-known blogs, it's like you can't even type them in. I, in, 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 I know the blog, I know the person. Well, it's but like te- texting. I mean, like no one, you know, no one types in text li-
0: texting live Well, not very many people. Right. People just type texting into Google and hit click the first link.
1: Right. But you you have justinvincent.com? dot com. Yeah. See, that's that's total crap. <laughs> Not, no, I'm just. There's no way that I can get JasonRoberts.com. I mean, that just sucks that you can get that. That you're lucky enough to have that. Because I, I remember, I remember saying, "Oh, I wish you know." I I, I came up with a name, and you're like, "Oh, but I like JustinVincent.com." It's like, well, of course you do. <laughs> yeah, right. I wish I had JasonRoberts.com. Unfortunately, well, who's who's on JasonRoberts.com? There's a ton of but If you go on there, and there's a there's a Jason Roberts is not an uncommon name. It's not. It's not the most common, but it's pretty common. I mean, even in Pasadena, where I live, which is like a couple hundred thousand people, and I think there's like ten. You know, there's I a share- famous there's a famous soccer player in the Premier League who's named Jason well, Roberts. There's a same with
0: Justin Vincent. Like, there's a famous
1: NFL um, football player. But you created you grabbed the domain back when in the nineties. Yeah,
0: when it's really funny. I don't I don't know who shares. There's 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 someone who has Justin Vincent. Well, I have Justin Vincent at gmail.com. But someone out there keeps on cutting deals and they keep on giving people justinvincent at gmail.com oh, <laughs> to the people. So I'll get all of these receipts and including uh, some receipts from a, a sex shop. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they were completely unrelated to me, to this other person. I don't right. know whether that's the NFL football player sure. or whether that's me. I'm sure that was unrelated to you.
1: But okay. <laughs> so when did you get, when did you reserve justinvincent.com? Ye- years ago. Like yes, was in yeah. the 90s? i I'm trying to figure it out because I mean I would think that it would even by like 98. I would think it'd have been too late. Oh no 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 no. More like uh, more like 2000. See no, see I think Jason Roberts was gone back in 98. It was already gone. Oh 90, really? 97 it was gone. Yeah there was right. no shot because there was a guy Jason Roberts who did one of these like web learning like uh, how to or learn to dot com and he was like a moderately successful web entrepreneur. Right. And which means he probably thinking was thinking about reserving his name <laughs> so by the
0: time i it's now um jason roberts uh, sap consulting professionals what do you mean that's what that's what jason roberts.com is it's uh the entire world of sap oh. at your fingertips jason roberts llc consulting yeah. services right 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 so i got everything a... sap <laughs> solutions right
1: anyway so all right let's move on um so what do we uh what do oh you know what's a website that I came across which is pretty good is coder uh, coder i o have, you, have you seen that nope it's Shoot. kind of like i i I think it's like a blog aggregator like I think they I think it scrapes different uh websites on coding and you know sort of just it's kind of like hacker news it just shows the um, the titles with maybe a one line description or something and you can um you can sort of search or sort by um or filter by tags, so by JavaScript or by Ruby or by NoSQL or something. It's yeah. really good. I actually like it because every once in a while I get on Hacker News and sometimes there's great stuff there and sometimes it's just like I just, ah, you know, there's not much that's really. Interesting me, yeah. And um, but Coderio is uh, I O is, is good. It's if you if, if you if you want to read about coding stuff, I mean sometimes the Hacker News stuff. You might you might be more interested in in uh, general stuff, uh, you know, about startups or about stuff that's going on in fundraising or about you know whatever. But um, the coder the Coderio is much more just that it right. <laughs> it's a lot like the cost idea that we were talking about. So basically, right.
0: it's bringing in the best. This is, it's it's uh, cutting down the signal-to-noise ratio, really.
1: Which is one domain that I own, which is SignalCast.com, which I keep I keeps sort of uh, strategizing about or scheming about, like, that. what am I going to use that domain for? It's such an awesome domain. You right. know? And I keep coming up with ideas for it, but I, I haven't you have yet to do anything with it. That's, that's probably my best domain. That and I, don't, I also like OpenProblem.com. I oh, thought yeah, that, that would be a good one for say, if you had something that wanted to be solved like a hard problem, and you were to post it, and other people can work on it. And, but that would be more. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Anyway, it's just an idea. You registered such sensible domain names. The kind of ones that I have hanging around
0: are uh, zingbear.com. <laughs>
1: right. I got. I. I you know. I, I got lucky with App Ignite I feel like. Um, I got, yeah. I, no, that's I, great. Yeah, really good. got that one, um, Quantfire, I thought was pretty cool. I was trying to do a Quantifier. You know, yeah. quantifier. Um, but it's it's harder to spell. It's harder to say as a qu- you know for people. But, but quantifier is easy, which is sort of like almost like a shortened, simplified version of quantifier. And it doesn't necessarily right. mean anything. But it's it's easy to remember. It's easy to say. It's easy to spell. Not that I've done anything with it yet. But um, if for the whole uh, uh, you know whatever uh, web based business intelligence platform concept that I've talked a little bit about, quantifier would probably be it. So um
0: one thing that I was looking at a story on Hacker News about was um remote telepresence, which is getting closer to being a commercialized uh option.
1: Isn't that something that's like always like three years away? Three <laughs> years away, like yeah. twenty five years. It's like, you know, uh uh natural language processing or uh text to speech stuff it's like it's almost there we're just like three years away everybody's going to be doing telepresence everybody's going to so yeah tell us about it. Is, it is it only like two years away now i think it, i mean i think it's it's getting closer but
0: the reason why i mention it is because with with my my main day job i work for a company called myvibo.com mm-hmm. and um my main day job i am essentially a virtual employee and i think it would be great if this tele, this remote telepresence i think you're a virtual existed. person. <laughs> no, I do exist. You've
1: met You're me. You're a bot. It's the Justin <laughs> bot.
0: <laughs> We've had lunch together. Don't you remember?
1: I'm not totally convinced. I'm still skeptical a little maybe, bit.
0: Maybe I just like, maybe I am like an omnipresent AI and I just hired <laughs> some actor to come and have lunch with you.
1: Can you have like artificially sort of intelligent like ASI or something? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> Get, all right seriously. all right so on, tell us about uh, tell a friend. well th- there's not
0: much to say but just that just that i think it's a great idea i mean i'd love to be able to do it because um sometimes i do feel a bit remote <laughs> from the office and it'd be great if there there's you're starting to there. feel virtual yeah yeah exactly see because,
1: that's what i'm saying i think <laughs> you're just becoming a little more aware of what's really going on right right so you're feeling a little too virtual so you well, it would just to be cool your face if you when could,
0: yeah, and, and like to have that little robot that could wander around the office and like have a look at what people are doing. Not to spy on them, but just Robot? To,
1: <laughs> what are you talking about? A robot? Isn't, yeah, isn't, it just, isn't it just like Skype video? No, no.
0: The remote, remote telepresence that, that, that I'm talking about is basically robot remote telepresence. So there's a, there's a little robot in the other office on the other side of the country, and that robot has a screen that has your face and it has eyes, and those eyes are the cameras that reflect back to you. So not only are you kind of talking to them live, but you can also move around the office and talk to different people. You can participate in meetings.
1: So is it like the little ibo thing that, you know, like that, that little Japanese um, robot that kind of Do out? you mean ASIMO? Is it ASIMO? Yeah, ASIMO. Well, okay.
0: ASIMO is incredibly advanced. I mean, the, the, the telepresence robots that they're coming up with are nowhere near the level of advancement of, of ASIMO, right? Because because Asimo can actually walk. I mean, the, these ones—the um, the companies that are doing the telepresence stuff—it's just little robots that have like a Segway type of um, uh, thing to keep its balance and wheels. And it's just a camera. It's—I'll uh, just send you a link. It was like we'll, big we'll brother little brother. I'll send you a link and we'll put it in the show notes. It's like annoying little sister, just comes around and <laughs> <laughs> looking okay, at it. I'll just you. send you the link. Have a look at that. You'll see what I mean. All
1: right. Yeah, You know what the, uh, as it kind of reminds me of? <clears throat> do you remember the uh, TV show Buck Rogers back in like the early 80s? What's up, Buck? Dibby, dibby, dibby. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. It looks like that <laughs> the robot, a little gold robot. It had like like fake hair. <laughs> right? well, that
0: thing, this, this thing has some weird kind of hair, too. Robot? Did you look at the link?
1: Yeah, like a, the robot that visits your cube, so we'll put a link up to this. That's weird looking. Yeah. Like a little spy bot. So you want, you want people to see you. Sitting there at your desk is what you're saying. Are you- I, I just
0: want to be able to feel like I'm I'm more there than I feel like now. Why? Because it's good to interact with people, to communicate with people.
1: No, I mean, why why do you feel like do you feel like it's important, or do you feel like you need? I'm just wondering. Do you feel like there's something that is missing, or do you feel like you just feel lonely, or you just want you want people to feel your presence? I mean, what's the what's the psychological rationale for it, or the Well,
0: because uh, i guess it's it's mainly for example general working is fine but then when there's something like four or five people and they're having a brainstorming session right not being part of something like that which essentially those kind of brainstorming sessions
1: (laughs) so you want this robot standing there looking at them and that's you (laughs) that's like the physical avatar in the world it's like they're going to talk to this robot as if it's you except it's you it's just a camera that's telepre- That's what. That's what remote telepresence robot is. That's that what it is. is funny. They should put like a like a like a one of those like really feminine hats on it. You should watch the video. They've, there's a video on that page. Um, look, like that's funny. Well, I can I can see it. Like you know, those, watch you know, the
0: company's. Dev- d- let me just send you another link. Do you, you watch this after the show?
1: Right, well, <laughs> I can see that. They can turn and say, hey, so Justin, what do you think of this idea? And they're literally looking at this robot. Now, as a robot, is your voice going to be coming out of the robot? Yeah. So it really is like your intelligence has been transplanted into this machine.
0: Yes. And, and, I, and I know that this can work because I, I have a, like a little wireless phone, right? And sometimes when my wife's away, and the, the, the phone you can just kind of stand up. Right, and just yeah, I put it on the desk. Sometimes when my wife's away, I've got the phone on the speakerphone, and <laughs> it's literally like this little phone has a personality.
1: <laughs> yeah, you see, it's one thing to be like hearing something come out of a f- hearing someone's voice coming out of a, sp- a speakerphone, which is a, <laughs> yeah. you know, which is I mean, there's always a little something that's kind of weird about that. It's kind of like the well, anyway, it's a little weird. But if you're talking to something that lo- that sort of looks sort of human, like a robot that has eyes and a nose and it's actually, but it's, but, it's somebody else. I mean, that's just bizarre. That's like, that's freaky. And I think there's actually some, there was some, there's some scientific basis for like the amount that some, something freaks you out is when something looks sort of human, but doesn't look human, it's scary. It's a scarier thing. So if you look at monsters and stuff or, uh, you know, any of these horror movies that they, they obviously look human-esque, but not right. Yeah. Um, but uh, that, that tends to have a very high sort of scare factor for people uh, at some base psychological level. So I would think – I would just find it very freaky if I was <laughs> talking to this robot and it was you. But you'd voices, get used to it pretty soon. It'll be, I guess. I would probably be tempted to draw like a weird mustache on it and – yeah, I mean, obviously, people are going like, to have a lot of fun with it. Like your on it or, that. or something. Yeah, people are going to have a lot of fun with
0: it. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> I don't know. But, but they well, think, what would I mean, you they... do? Are you
1: going to have like a robot representing each one of them sitting in your office? You have like five little robots, and like this is the, this is the, you know, what I don't know what their names are, but this is the. Sounds like, how expensive is this stuff? Well, it's obviously going to be a couple of thousand.
0: It's obviously going to be like, I don't know, two to five thousand or something like that. Are you
1: get a pony up for this? No. You just, the company's going to the, 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 the boss, man. Ponies. Yeah.
0: And and I haven't mentioned it to him. And plus, also, you can't you can't buy them; they don't even exist right yet. So it's just an idea.
1: I see. Okay, so this is this is this is the three years in the future, (laughs) right? Right. (laughs) We're gonna have the Justin bot. Okay. Uh, (laughs) All right. So what else? Next, you said you got a whole bunch of topics. Uh, there was a there was an
0: interesting blog post about uh, well I don't know whether it was interesting good or bad but anyway we, we can discuss it um, why why thirty seven signals' advice is relevant I don't know whether you saw that did you mm-hmm. yeah so w- I guess the main premise that the guy came up with was um, that their pro- that Jason Freed and the thirty seven signals bunch are saying look you should charge you should charge people are willing to pay for stuff but what this guy's saying is all their all their tools are productivity tools. And yeah, people are prepared to pay for productivity tools because it's an investment in your business, an investment in yourself. But what happens if you're making something that's like a, a social network, then people
1: aren't going to pay for it? Yeah, I thought the guy's article was stupid, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I, it was, I did It actually... was really a bad argument. If you look at the comments on Tucker News were kind of like, what? I mean, what's this guy's point even? I mean, the reality is, right, if you're making a consumer application for people that's not based on work, that's not based on people either making money or saving money, you have a hard time getting them to pay for it. I mean, not that you can't, but it's, it's really well, hard. And look at bingo card creator. Well, that's, that's, that's for, that's for their job, right? This is for teachers at school who are trying to do something for their kids and probably have a little bit of a small budget for buying oh, classroom. I
0: thought it was completely, uh,
1: I thought bingo card creator was just totally just for fun. No, the, 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 I think the, the majority of his audience are uh, teachers like mm. elementary and middle school teachers. Well, swarm. So, I mean, I've, Managed to get
0: 2,000 bucks? Yeah.
1: No, I'm not saying you can't do it, right? I mean, people buy games and things like that, but like social networks, people aren't going to pay for a social network. I mean, that's the problem. I mean, I think with so many of these apps is everybody's building stuff that they're, they're hoping is going to be like the next Facebook, yeah. thinga, which means that it's either, it's like a one in a million shot and the chances are you aren't going to be that one because not only does it have to be really good, it just has to, has, everything has to kind of go right for it. You know, it has to have the right launch because of the context of the timing in the world. I mean, you know, it's like you couldn't have started um, Facebook, you know, probably too much later than that. I mean, it would just happened that it was right at the time when Facebook, people knew what MySpace was, and it started within one university, and they were able to leverage out to multiple universities. And it started at Harvard, which means that had more cachet than if it started at, you know, Western Kentucky State, you know. No, no offense to anybody who went to Western Kentucky State. <laughs> but, just, but wouldn't right? you also say that, that something
0: like that can't really be bootstrapped? I mean, theres I don't know any examples of, of those kind of businesses ah, that yeah, aren't, aren't venture-funded.
1: Uh, okay, uh, Craigslist. So Craigslist is bootstrapped, is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or hmm. uh, how about Plenty of Fish?
0: Yeah, but Plenty of, Fi- Plenty of Fish is kind of different because it is just the one guy. He just does make his money from AdSense. He's a ton he's- of money. Yeah, I know. But I mean, it's not like Facebook. I mean,
1: yeah, no, it's, it's rare. It's, not a it's, it's, it's business. less common to, um, build a really big horizontal business as we, as we you know, discussed with, uh, Rob in our yeah. show. than it is to build a niche business. But I don't think it's impossible. And um, I don't think people should be completely dissuaded from doing it. Um, You know, I personally just can't build, like, you know, a a store for for, uh, an app that just works for dentists who live in New Jersey, you know, or for lumber companies, you know. Yeah, but with bootstrapping, the thing is to build lots of those little apps. Yeah, that just bores me to tears. I can't do it bores me to tears. I'd rather just not do it. I mean, for me, you know, writing software is not just about you know making money and 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 creating and becoming financially independent, which are uh, which are important goals. For me, it's it's got to be um, it's got to be a, co- a few different things. It's got to be interesting. It's got to be exciting or fun, right? I mean, for me, it's always if I'm working on stuff that I think is just kind of stupid or relevant, it's just I'm just trying to make a buck. You know, cause a lot of things you could do to make money. Uh, yeah. But once you, you've ma-
0: once you've made the buck, I mean, if, if you let's, let's go back, let's say for the last five years, you'd been making little tiny websites like that. And you know how 20 of those producing 500 to a thousand a month, you could now work on anything you wanted. Passion projects 24 seven.
1: Yeah. It didn't, it didn't interest me. I, I just, I, because I think too much, it's going to take way too much. So like, like we've talked, discussed creating anything is going to take more work than you think. Right. Right. I mean, Rob it has. It looks like he's he's more in the business of buying and managing these web properties than he is actually building stuff. Because that's as he's discussed, most of his money's come from stuff that he's bought, right? Right. Than he's built. So he's less. He has less time to make stuff than he has to just sort of manage these things. And, you know, it sounds like he makes a decent living. It doesn't sound like he's, you know, a mega multimillionaire or something like that. He's created a certain amount of financial security and financial independence by doing it. But I couldn't spend my day doing it because it just wouldn't interest me. Right, right. It just doesn't interest me. And I'm not saying people shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I personally it doesn't interest me. There are a lot of things that a lot of my friends do for a living that they love, but I, I couldn't do it. Wouldn't. I just couldn't do it just and I have to I have to do something that excites me and that's why like app night where you're like the reaction is wow that's a horizontal market it's big it's like you know but it's fun and it's exciting and I think it could be cool and I think it could work and yeah you know eventually if it starts to work I could end up having to fee- compete against funded companies or some funded company could come out of the woodwork in 3 months who knows but at least I'm building something that has a shot that is exciting. But I, I just can't, I remember it was Sam Howley was listening to the show, and Sam Howley was one of our, I think it was our first guest, was like the second show we did. Right, yeah. And um, he was saying, oh, you, should, you shouldn't make Epic Night Horizontal, you should build it for these very tiny niches. And I just like, you know, that might make more sense. And I'm not saying you probably don't increase your eye odds by going after small niches, but my boredom factor goes through the roof. When I instantly start thinking of these sort of little tiny niches that I just can't, that I lose all interest in the project. Okay, right. I mean, um, so I mean, Plugio is horizontal. Swarm is horizontal. Is it right? I mean, you're not building Swarm for you know, you know, uh, you know, middle aged dwarves that live in Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but, so you, so you saying that Pluggio S- is just as
0: horizontal as? Um as app
1: ignite Uh, yeah i mean it's a horizontal play yeah it's not It's not it's not like a niche it's not really a niche play like that i mean i don't think it's i don't think i mean maybe you could argue that slightly more niche than epignite but it's pretty horizontal app you know because to me it's it's niche like it it only works i mean the only thing that app does
0: is it works with twitter and the only thing it does is it's a productivity tool to help you schedule stuff on twitter to me that seems pretty tightly focused Whereas App Ignite is like building building web applications. I mean, yeah, you can build any web application. That's pretty low level. You
1: can post tweets to, you know, about anything. (laughs) I (laughs) I mean, you know, it's, I don't know. It almost seems semantic to me. Like, uh, I I don't know. I mean, I just couldn't have something that builds web applications for K through 12 schools. Right. Immediately. I'm so bored even saying that I almost couldn't even finish the sentence (laughs) you know this is no interest i mean that's the thing is that you know there's there's sort of this this i think this balance that you you probably have to draw and for everyone it's different but you have to draw this you have to sort of make create this balance between pragmatism and you're in following uh what you think is a, a really awesome dream what's something that's really cool that you're super excited about and rob it seems to me that he has, he has been found a way for him to, be, to really enjoy what he's doing and also is very pragmatic, right? Yeah. He's, been, he's been able to create success out of that. I think he, he scratched a couple different inches that he does get to write software, but he also gets to, he's found a way to become financially independent um, by um, you know, running these very niche pieces of software. Yeah. But, you know, for all, all of us are a little different. You know, and what, in the kinds of tasks and the way we spend our day that that will make us happy or not make us happy. Um, and I remember, <clears throat> this is my first company. I think I was working on, and <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and uh, my first. Uh, this is, so I remember this is the first company I uh, started. And I, my my best friend at the time, uh, well, he's still one of my very closest friends, Mitchell, who's the uh, stuntman. Um, uh, screenwriter that I've mentioned a couple of times. The guy who does the parkour. Yeah, does the par- He does the parkour. So we. He he works with. Uh, he's been teaching my son and uh, Colby and myself actually um, some of this parkour stuff, and uh, I I was mentioning to Mitchell at the time like, about my idea, and he said, and he he said, oh, I mentioned to my dad, and I'm like, oh, what did your dad say? And his dad says, tell Jason, I think he's he's thinking too small. Hmm. And I'll never forget that, you know, because at the time, I mean, we're we're going after what I thought was a reasonable market. I mean, right out of college, I'm starting my own software company, and his reaction is, you're you're thinking too small. You got to go, you got to think big. And I think, you know, there's a lot to that, which is like, why do we have to always think small? You can start small. You have to start small, right? You have to start with something that's manageable. You need to release something. You can't, you obviously work on something for 10 years, but I, you know, there's a part of me that has to feel like I'm working on something that's big, that's important, that isn't just some sort of um, tiny little insignificant uh, money generator. I don't know, but, but don't a lot
0: of done a lot of people start with things that are small and then. Once they they're successful, then they expand it and they make it wider and wider and wider.
1: You do right, and I, I think a lot of people listening to the show are probably thinking that exact same thing, which is right. You you know you start you know in a very tight niche, and then you kind of expand out and stuff. But I think it's very easy to get caught in just the niche. Like you can't go horizontal. Like you just kind of get stuck. It's just hard to go sideways. And um, you know I, I like I said with you know as I've as I've admitted you know numerous times, App Ignite. Is a riskier play than a lot of of other options that I could have taken. And I think a lot of people would disagree with what you're saying here, because um,
0: if you think about it, like wh- anything that you create, anything that you build, it gives you idea. Like even if it is niche, I mean, you don't have to kind of stick with that one thing forever. I mean, as long as you make it so that it can give you a passive income, then it gives you a passive income. But the the, the not, I mean, I've I've experienced this a lot where I'll work on a project. And some of the techniques and the, the methodologies that I'll use, the tools, the concepts, like maybe I'll build an RSS reader or maybe I'll build this and that. And then I'll have those technologies and then next project, I'll think, oh yeah, I could combine that and that to to make this. And it's like, oh, it's so cool that I was working on that last thing because now I've got the experience to make this new thing.
1: Yeah, but those are, I don't think that's kind of direct. I mean, that's very indirect and it's very sort of speculative. Well, if I work on it, if I do a bunch of coding, then it might I might be able to leverage it later. I mean, even right now, right, like you picked plugio um and 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 now you're working on swarm and you don't have much time for plugio now because you have two projects and you have you know my VBO, right yeah but i will say that the reason why i was
0: able to build swarm was because of i guess all my previous coding experience and all the other different projects that i'd worked. well that's
1: on. fine yeah so fine yeah you, you the more you code the more you have stuff you can pull from but you know Plugio has been dwindling because you, are, have, you have multiple projects. If you focus, you have all these different projects. I mean, it's one thing to invest and buy projects. There are all these sort of passive income generators, right? And that's one way to make an income of a portfolio, like, like, as, as Rob described, sort of the Warren Buffett approach. Plugio hasn't but been dwindling, by the way. Like, it, plugio has,
0: has, it's has growing, constant though. Growth.
1: You're not putting much time into it, right? It's growing a little bit, not very right, much, but, but it is growing. but you're not putting much time into it. You're yeah. not pushing it forward, and that's because you have two projects. It's a passive income generator that will remain a very small passive income generator unless you put a lot of effort into it. And if so if you have, you can have a lot of these little tiny projects that don't generate much, um, and, and right, maybe that's a, that's a more – and I'm, I'm not arguing – Well, if you had
0: 10 projects that generate 1000 bucks a month like Plugio does, you'd be doing great. Even five projects –
1: yeah, I'm not saying. Look, I'm not saying that it, I'm not because I'm not talking purely from um, a, an income, right? Right, right. It's like yeah. you know, it, it's 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 it, because we're 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 discussing we're talking about two different things. We're talking about the ability to be financially successful to create a business, right? Um, which is important because if you don't make any money on it, that's just a hobby. In which case, if it's a hobby, it's not usually very sustainable because life gets in the way and you have to spend time doing other things that actually make money. Um, yeah. So that's obviously a very important part of it. But if you have um, all these little things, it's hard to really focus on one of them and make it it big. And your your attention just keeps getting pulled to all these little things that just are. are. And the question is, how important, how exciting are they to you? Are they the kind of thing that like, this is awesome. I get up every day and I can't believe I get to work on this. This thing is really important. It's really cool. It's a big deal. I'm excited about it. I don't know, and and for me that's that's very important. I think a lot of people may not feel that that's as important to them, and um, I think uh, that's just that's just me, right? I mean, I'm not telling, I'm not say suggesting that anyone else should follow my lead. I'm just telling you that's how I am. Yeah, you know, and the and that's now you know the other other project that I said uh, you know that I was potentially had some interest in was the QuantFire project, right? And part of the reason was that you know, I have this itch I want to scratch with this machine learning stuff, which I've done a lot of work and sort of study on over the years, and, um, you know, I I think, you know, I I almost went on to get my PhD in math, and I ended up not doing that and ended up going and and becoming an entrepreneur, but there's always a part of me that misses that really um, sort of, I don't know how to describe it, but it's the the intellectual challenge, the deep intellectual challenge of research, and uh, and sophisticated doing sort of working on sophisticated mathematical problems, and to me, machine learning, artificial intelligence is is very closely related to math and physics in that way, right? So I mean, creating websites with PHP and JavaScript it is not does not scratch that itch. Right. It's not, I don't have to go, you know, well, you know, I was I almost was going to become a PhD. I was almost going to become a mathematician or physicist, but no, I'm creating websites for people. You know, it, part of me just looks at it and goes, you know, come on. But working on, uh, the machine learning stuff, it scratches that itch, itch a little bit. I feel, uh, I, I'm a little more excited about about that. But I, I am at the same time, I do am really excited about Epic Nights. So there's this part of me that I'm trying to balance between what I'm excited about, what I think could make money, but also what when I take a step back and I look at myself and I go, w-, you know, Jason, what are you spending your time working on? What are you spending your time thinking about? Are those problems or ideas worth your time? You know, and that's a high bar. It sets a high bar for things. And it also it runs a little bit counter to like what's the most pragmatic way to make an income. Right. Those aren't the same things. And I think you read about that sometimes. It's like, you know, people who, you know, smart IQ doesn't always correlate to financial success because people with high IQs tend to want to work on challenging, interesting problems, which isn't always the the best way to make money. Sometimes it's the real boring, you know, tedious things that make a lot of money, you know, that and that's how most people make money is not solving interesting technically challenging exciting problems those people are doing research at universities or in uh, in research departments of places like ibm and bell labs and xerox park
0: yeah and I, I remember um what's that book the, the, it's a book about financial advice i think it's, it's called rich dad poor dad yep. Yep. <laughs> one of one of the things that they talk about is how people with well he, he was saying in his experience people who have like a really educated a really bad at, at kind of money
1: they tend to be right. Well, yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just not that intellectually interesting for a lot. I mean, you can switch it. It's not that, like, say, you know, I don't know, being an investor or being a hedge fund manager or doing, you know, some of the stuff can be a, can be an intellectual exercise, absolutely. But you know, for most people, the act of just sort of maximizing their income is usually not the most intellectually stimulating thing.
0: There's you know, a job that would bore me senseless, just looking at following the markets and gambling on making money if the stocks go up and stocks great. go down. I would just be bored senseless of that, though.
1: Yeah. Well, that <laughs> wouldn't
0: interest me at all.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, what I found interesting, the high frequency trading stuff, I found interesting because it became a mathematical problem. It became right. a problem in using algorithms to find short term patterns in the market that had a statistical advantage over a random guess. And that's just a sort of um, that's just trying to build algorithms that are smarter than something that's largely a chaotic system, right? And it's really and it's it's a big game. It's really you know it's really it's, so if you can spend your time, you don't have to deal with customers, you don't have to deal with employers. All you have to do is you have this capital base, and all you have to do is come up with algorithms that are sufficiently successful at buying and selling, at at creating buy and sell signals, and managing this portfolio that you can, you know. You you basically just think about math and coding all day long, and it could make a lot of money. The reality is, though, is most people, the vast majority of people, fail because it's a really hard problem. It's much harder than people think. Even people who get into it and know a lot about it, um, s- still, the vast majority of them fail too. Okay, you know, here's something completely different. Um, now, for something completely different, is the there was a there's a this was actually a couple weeks ago in the New York Times article it was called um, "The Men Who Stare at Screens." And it was talking <laughs> about, you know, when it was kind of the thing, we've talked about this before, about how it's, how it's not that great to sit down all the time. Yeah. You know, it's not good for your back or you have back problems at staying. We talk about these standing desks that allow you to stand or sit part of the day. And I think Guyon, who uh, says that he um, stands all day at work now on his standing desk, which I I find hard to imagine doing that. But anyway, the, this one study about sitting in chairs all day that apparently even if you get up and go to the gym every day, it still doesn't undo the damage that's done to your body. Because I guess when you are sitting, you are not flexing or utilizing certain muscles that cause the release of certain um, types of enzymes in your body. Is that right? Am um, yeah. I that correctly? And um, which lead to all kinds of different you know, I don't know, heart diseases and things like this over time. Right. So sitting, sitting in a chair eight to 10 hours a day, writing code, even if you go and, and you run 10 miles at night, you know, doesn't necessarily undo the fact that you are sitting. That And the only real solution is to try and keep getting up throughout the day and doing other, other things with your body. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't have to get up and you don't have to get up and, and go pump iron every couple hours, but, um, don't stay seated. Don't stay sitting down all day. Try and get up and try and do things. You know. What well, there's a big...
0: bunch of programs out there, like software that you could install on Windows and Mac. I don't have any names to hand, but basically, what they'll do is they'll just every hour or every half an hour, they'll ping up some exercises that you should do, or they'll it'll remind you to get up and walk around. I've tried using. That's those. A really.
1: That's really. Have you tried using it?
0: Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, but the only, the only thing is, is that. Like, it, it it pops up the the alert, right? And you're in the middle of, you know, when you're in the zone and you're really, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm right there, I'm in the zone. And the thing is, I never realised quite how much I was in that state during the day because this thing keeps on popping up. And I'm like, no, no, right. now's not the time, now's not the time. And I, like, hit the snooze button. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's the only issue with those. But, they, yeah, they exist. They're good.
1: The, um... Yeah, because I was I was kind of thinking about that. It'd be good, like every half hour, to do some push ups or sit ups or just something, right? Yeah. Just to get myself up. You know, but definitely. I'd like if you have a link to any of that stuff, send it to me. We'll post it on and the show notes. I don't even think you need to do. Well, I mean, obviously, I'm no
0: expert, right? But I don't think you need to do sit ups and push ups. I think you just need to like get up and walk around and you know make a cup of coffee or something. Like it's just not no. I think you, you got
1: to do more. You got to do more than that. It's it's not it's, it's not just walking around getting a cup of coffee. It's, it's you actually need to do more than that. I think you actually, I think they in the in the article they talk a little bit like ranking like certain types of activities like how uh, okay. physically um, challenging they were and yeah you know because you think about how we've evolved over you know over the years. You could ten or fifty thousand years ago. I mean you were doing things more than making coffee and walking around to survive throughout the day. Okay. Yeah. And. So you can't just you can't just like, well, I sit down and then I walk over and I make coffee and then I sit down again. I you know, I think if if that's probably minimal. Sit ups and push ups would be much more exhausting. You know, obviously you don't want to break a sweat and start sweating in your clothes. <laughs> It'd be hard to you know get yourself completely out of breath. But you know, maybe doing that that's just one idea I had. But it I don't know, there's gotta be a solution to it. But you gotta get up throughout the day and, and get active. Otherwise over the years you just it's very unhealthy. And another similar study I read too, which is kind of interesting, I guess we're on our health segment here <laughs> yeah because I've, I've actually got <laughs> a question health. to ask.
0: i got a question to ask you about this about um about the gym and i, I know that is totally off tangent for 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 texting okay, yes your question uh, but then
1: i got i want to bring up this other study so go on
0: okay when when people start going to the gym right because i know that you you go to the gym a lot right when people start going to the gym is it possible that they won't lose weight because they're gaining more muscle which replaces the weight of the fat
1: yeah, that's BS. Um, here's the thing. People always say that. And I, I and, 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 the thing is the reality, putting on muscle is extremely difficult and it takes a long time. Um, especially somebody like yourself who hasn't been lifting weights and doesn't have a lot of say built up muscle that the fact that you're just going to start packing on the, 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 muscle, you know, because you're doing some, uh, you know, uh, nautilus exercises or whatever, that's not going to happen. You're, 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 you know, replacing it with muscle. But a lot of people sell themselves because psychologically it feels better. But really, you're just not, you're not working hard enough.
0: Okay, so I, I think I disagree with you because of um, my experience over the last kind of month um, and a half. So your whole six a-
1: weeks of experience, you're yeah, now an expert well, on muscle. Well, 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 I've got, <laughs> some, I've got <laughs> some medical
0: proof that things are improving, right? No,
1: I'm not saying they're improving. I'm no, just but, saying you're not, but what you're I'm probably say- water weight is the differential here. Okay, but here's here's the thing. I've been going to the gym six days a week. Okay. Right, that's great. By the way, congratulations! That is awesome. That is ended, and I'm I'm very happy for you that you're doing that.
0: Okay, so two days two days a week cardio for forty five minutes ago, mm-hmm. and one day l- weights forty five minutes. Right, and in one and a half months, I haven't lost or gained anything whatsoever, okay. except that my my because I've got diagnosed with diabetes, so that's the reason why I'm going. My diabetic blood sugar has gone from two twenty for a seven-day average, down to 115. So I've lost over 100 points of blood sugar, and I feel a lot better, and I feel like I have more muscle. So surely that the only scientific conclusion you could come up with is that I have replaced fat for
1: muscle. No, I don't think so. (laughs) And I don't don't mean to just make you feel bad or something, because what you've done is you've... I'm not a doctor, but... Uh, you know, here's my, here's what I think's really going on. You have probably lost some weight, but you're probably your your body's holding on to a little more water now, probably. Um, you know, because you, your water can fluctuate, you know, especially if you're up over 200 pounds, get five pounds right. a day easily. So that margin of error, that sort of uh, inaccuracy in the weight, it means that you really can't get any a super accurate measure on that. So you can't say I haven't lost a pound or two pounds because if that's within the range of fluctuation in your body oh, if your water weight, it's really hard to get too close of a beat on that. Um, yeah, you probably haven't – you haven't lost five pounds five or seven pounds because otherwise that would show up in the scale but if you, you could have lost a pound or two and it would still be kind of hard to determine if that's actually well something i mean given the fact that the
0: blood sugar's gone down which only well, that's happens great. From, from i'm not fitness. saying you haven't gotten in better shape that's
1: right right ob- i mean dude you weren't doing anything Right. So it's not hard. To, it's not hard to get in better shape when you when you don't do anything. And you're overweight and all you do is sit behind the computer and you never ever exercise. I mean, you know, you don't have to do much and you're gonna get in better shape. And so the fact that you're doing six days a week, you're doing cardio and you're lifting weights and you're doing the right things, your body is gonna respond to that and it's going to start and get in better shape. So that's absolutely true. You're absolutely getting in better shape, and that's fantastic, and that's really absolutely what you need to be doing. And it's really commendable of you that you're sort of taking a proactive approach to getting control over your health and not just sort of letting you know your habits you know stay as they were and um, and sort of make you sicker and sicker so that's awesome but what I'm saying is it takes time to building up muscle is hard even even for for people who who um, are really in shape and can lift really hard I mean when you, it takes months to get in shape enough to where you can lift weights really right. uh, sort of aggressively and, and lift uh, you know, because you just you're going to get sore after just a few sets. Of- well,
0: I know because my, the, the 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 gym instructor. I really hope that the people at home don't mind us talking about this, but I want to leave it in the show because I want to find out what the what the feedback is. But because my gym instructor has me doing this thing where I'm doing weights, right? But it, it's it's to account, like every other guy in the gym is like pushing really hard and they're doing fast reps, but he's got me on this one where it's taking me like six six to ten seconds for each movement. Okay. And back down each way. So I'm doing it really, really slow. So it's almost like Pilates or something like that. And the weights I'm using are much, much smaller, but it's very strenuous.
1: Well, he's probably doing that also because it's like if you're, you know, he's he, he, if you're someone who isn't in shape and hasn't right. worked out before, he doesn't want you to injure yourself. Yeah, that's what you he know. And yeah. he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, if you're training for the Olympics, <laughs> it'd be, right, a little you workout, be doing the same thing. Yeah. But you'll get there. Right. I mean, it's six right. months. You might have a completely different workout, you know. Okay. And um, the most important thing is that you get in the gym six days a week and you're actually breaking a sweat and you got your heart rate up and you're you're doing weight resistance and you're doing cardio. You're doing all that. You're doing all the right things. You, right. know, uh, you know, you uh, know, being getting really particular over this exercise or that exercise or this speed or that speed speed of, of movement is not that important right now. Just don't injure yourself, don't get discouraged, and just keep going every day. Just keep showing up. It's like that famous Woody Allen quote, which is ninety percent of success in life is just showing up. <laughs> right. 90 percent of being of, of not of being fit is just getting your butt to the gym on a regular basis. Right, right, and not eating. So yeah, I mean. I think what's going to happen is you'll go through fits and spurts of losing weight. You'll lose some weight, and then you'll plateau, and then you lose some weight. Um, but generally, what's probably going to happen is you you should probably need to um, you're probably going to need to eat a little less. It's probably that your, your diet is a, is a big factor in So you probably just still need to cut out a little more, a few more calories a day. Okay.
0: Well, that's, that's good advice. Thank you very much for that. I don't think we should spend too long on this. <laughs> right. Because <No, it's> <laughs> it is such a tangent. So the other, you got anything
1: else? The other health thing, which I thought was kind of interesting, which came in the New York Times, was like uh, the title of it was called, um, oh, I can't. I can't I, actually, I don't have the title here, but it was basically how we don't get enough vitamin D. And you get vitamin oh, right. D. Through, primarily, we get vitamin D through sunlight. Yeah. And you can also get it through milk and like fortified orange juice. And I think that it, you have uh, it's added into a lot of cereals and stuff. But apparently the amount that we can absorb in our system through uh, eating um, via, you know, consuming vitamin D is uh, what we get through sunlight is, is minimal. So it's really, really important to get sunlight. Now, what happens is people who live in the north or live in northern countries get much less sunlight. Yeah, say people who live in, say, Southern California like us or live in the South or whatever. And also people who are dark-skinned have a hard time absorbing it. So if, if you're darker-skinned um, then you're, you know, and you live in the North, you're really at risk of not getting enough vitamin D. And the other thing is that as adults, you don't spend a lot of time out in the sun, right, getting direct sunlight unless you're out at the pool or doing something like that. So and, this relates
0: to coders because coders typically sit at their desk yeah, eight hours so a
1: day. people sit inside all day long. We sit at computers and we don't get enough sunlight. You know, it's just all the same thing. It's like, you know, you got to, you know, if you want to be healthy and you want to, you know yeah, not get sick, then you need to get enough vitamin D because I guess they're linking the vitamin D lack of vitamin D to all kinds of heart diseases and cancers and things, prostate cancer and colon cancer and breast cancer and all these kinds of things and heart disease. And there's a very high correlation to not getting enough vitamin D over many years and these things happening. And really all you need to do is get about, they say about 10, 15 minutes of direct sunlight a day. Like right. you get outside in the sun without sun. And The other problem is too is we get sunscreen all over our our bodies and that blocks it out too. And they say doesn't you should still have sunscreen on your face, but you, at least on your other the rest of your body, at least you know fifteen minutes of direct sun, especially you know during the, when there's when the sun is strongest in the summer. Because according to the article, that if you get sun, if you get enough vitamin D in the summer, that's enough for the rest of the year. Yeah, which makes sense because if people if humans evolved in northern climates, I mean they you know. The sun, the sun wasn't out all the time, but it's just it's just another example of like how modern lifestyles keep pulling us further and further and further away from how, from the optimal environments that to, to the environments that our, our bodies did their best to evolve towards or adapt to over the years. Right, right. I mean, anytime you think about, like, what do I spend my time doing, or when do I sleep, and when am I awake, and what kind of food do I, what kind of exercise do I do or not do, and you compare that to, like, well, kind of imagine what our bodies were doing for the past million years up to, say, a couple thousand years ago or a hundred years ago or something, and you go, wow, no, no wonder we have so many problems. <laughs> but, you know, one, one last thing I want to say about that, which is kind of interesting, you couple that with science, we live a lot longer we did yeah. at a certain point. Although it's kind of interesting because you hear different things. You hear things like, oh, in the Middle Ages or 150 years ago, people only lived yeah. from, until they are 40 or 50 or 60. But then you also hear of people living a long time. And I wonder if people lived a long time, you know, f- thousands of years ago, assuming they didn't get, you know, killed in a war or, or something like that. Well, yeah, the wolves
0: like, <laughs> is a big one.
1: Yeah, as opposed to say, you know, when, it, when when we got to slightly more modern times and we started having diseases like the plagues and and, and things like that, I just I just wonder if assuming people didn't die, die in war or in childbirth or something like that, people who are living in sort of like, um, I don't know, uh, relatively peaceful areas, like what our our natural our bodies would naturally live to, is it sixty or seventy or eighty years? But if you couple that with assuming that you could replicate or at least move a little closer to like how our, how our bodies, the kind of food and, and the kind of sleep schedules and the kind of, um, you know, exercise that would be closer to what we did 5,000, 10,000 years ago. And you yeah. couple that with our current, um, uh, you know, medical technology, how, how healthier people might be. It's just interesting.
0: Yeah. That's very cool. So, uh, we've, we've been going, uh, an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: probably, it's probably about time probably about time to call it a show what do you think yeah i think that's good all right that's a wrap we're out
0: what's up buck dibby dibby dibby